0: We celebrated Thanksgiving and if you'll recall last Sunday as we were preparing for Thanksgiving we talked about what it means to praise Him and we looked at Psalm 113 about some very uh, basic things about, about praise and remember we, we just looked at uh, in that, that Psalm 113 and it, it just spelled out some things like who is to praise and who did we find out supposed to praise? Anybody here remember? Everybody, Okay. And and what are we to praise? You remember that out of that, that psalm? His name, His character. We're, we're to, to praise Him for who He is, not just what He does. And then uh, uh, when are we to praise? Remember? All the time. There's never an inappropriate time to praise Him. And where are we to praise Him? Everywhere. You can't go anywhere where it's not a good place to praise Him. But then the most important thing we learned about is, why do we praise Him? Remember those two key things that we learned out of Psalm 113? Why do we praise Him? Because God is unique and God is compassionate. He's compassionate. So don't forget why we praise Him. As he is above the heavens. He's above the earth. There, there's no one like him. He is unique. And we praise him because he is compassionate. The hurting, the helpless, the ostracized, those who are cast out from society, he loves them and cares for them and takes care of their needs along the way, as well as he does all the rest of us as well. Well, I want to take. Uh, from that message and build on it because we as Americans set aside a day in order to praise Him on Thanksgiving. But I think the Word teaches us that we are to live lives of thanks living. We are to absolutely live praise every day for Him. If you will turn in your Bibles to Luke it's a Christmas passage, but I think it begins to tell us some things about Thanksgiving. Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, and remember the shepherds are out in the fields keeping uh, watch over their flocks by night. I That just burned into my mind and in my vocabulary. I learned that as a kid. They, they were taking care of their sheep, making sure they didn't get eaten up by wolves or coyotes or something out there. And all of a sudden, an angel appeared. And listen to what the angel said in verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news I'm bringing you. And it's good news for everybody, not just for a limited few, but it is for absolutely everyone. And it doesn't say it, but I think it intimates it. It's not for one single day of your life. It is for now and eternity once you come to understand what this good news is. And I think that begins to lay more on that foundation that we talked about, that we are to be a people of praise and thanksgiving. Now Paul helped us to understand this, and we need that instruction because in our world, that's not the norm. The average person doesn't go around praising the Lord all the time, giving thanks for this, giving thanks for that. We just came through a political campaign that was about as negative as anything I've ever seen on both sides. <laughs> and in in the middle, too, with the independents. They, they got in there as well and started casting things, you know. And it just makes you, rather than giving thanks, you just feel weighted down. And, you know, as I talk with folks, sometimes when I'm out there and they find out that, that I'm a minister, they'll go, oh, you're with the church, and well, we don't like the church because they don't like this. And, and sometimes we're better known for what we're against rather than what we're for. What good news we have to share. And so it's hard sometimes because, as was said earlier, there's just so much that weighs us down that it's hard to live a life of thanks living. But here's the good news. Jesus gives us the power and in Paul we see a great living example of it and I'm going to show you a couple of other examples later on in the scripture as well. But right now I want you to turn back to Philippians. Go to Philippians. And for those of you who were with us in September when I was doing the pastor's Bible study in here uh, while we were giving our teachers a, a, a month of kind of rest from teaching and they were joining us in order to study the Bible, we went through the book of Philippians verse by verse. And I had to come back to it, and I'm going to hit the highlights of some things that we talked in depth about in that Bible study class. So those of you that were in the Bible study class, you're not only going to recognize the mountaintops, but you're going to be able to fill in some other blanks along the way. But it'll be good review because it helps us to live a life of thanks living on what Paul instructs us. But first, I want you to see how he demonstrated himself. Go to Philippians chapter 1 and hang on. We're going to read the entire book of Philippians right now, real quick. At least we're going to get in every chapter. And I just want you to hear again how he just overflows with joy and thanksgiving. Go to verse 3 of chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And listen to Paul. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. He said, every time I think about you, wow, I thank God. I get to know these folks. And then he says, and also, uh, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. He says, when I think about you, I go, yeah, I love those folks. And then he starts saying, and when I pray for you, joy just erupts because I get to pray for you. And in essence, with you. And then jump down to verse 18. And in this passage, uh, he's talked about while he's been in in prison, there have been some folks preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus out of rivalry, out of selfishness. And there's been some others that have been preaching it out of a good, right attitude. And he says in verse 18, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. He says, really, there's no bad way to share Jesus because if you talk about Jesus, Jesus is enough. And he says, and I rejoice that Jesus is being talked about. Uh, Go to verse 25. And here he's been talking about, I don't know whether it's good to live or die. If I live, it's going to be tough. But I get to be with you. And if I die, I get to go home and be with my Father in heaven. And that's really great. And then he says in verse 25, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. He said, I'm beginning to see progress. I'm beginning to see joy as you're living out this faith. And he said, I want to stay and I want to watch it. I want to hear about it. I want to know that it's happening. And then in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord And of one mind. He said, this makes me thrilled, happy. Thrilled to death, happy. And in verse 17 of chapter 2, he says, Even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. He says, when the going gets tough, rejoice. He said, I'm glad. That this is happening to me because it's going to benefit you. And that that thrills me to death. And he said, and don't feel sorry for me. Come along and rejoice with me. This is worth celebrating and thanking God for what he's doing in our lives. And then you go to chapter 3. And uh, first verse, he says, finally, my brethren, which that's just a transition word. He he is a good preacher. He's only halfway through the letter and he says, finally. Uh, You know, finally, my brothers, uh, rejoice in the Lord. He just makes it crystal clear. If you've missed it so far, I'm telling you, rejoice. And then go on over to chapter 4. And in verse 4 he says, in case you didn't catch that in chapter 3, Rejoice in the Lord always. Now there it becomes crystal clear. He's been building up and he's saying, I'm talking about thanks." Living, not Thanksgiving Day. I'm talking about living a life of thanks. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then in verse 10 of chapter 4, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now that I at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He said, I've I've rejoiced because you've always cared about me. You just didn't have an opportunity to help me. But now you've got an opportunity and you're living out your faith that, that way. So over and over again, all through what has been subtitled the book of joy, in this letter to the Philippian church, he just keeps saying rejoice, praise the Lord, I thank my God, I'm thrilled to death that I have a Father that I can praise and worship. But there are two verses that we're going to look at in chapter 4 that really give us the understanding of how to live a life of thanks living. It's one thing to say it, You ought to live a life of thanksgiving. I ought to live a life of thanksgiving. It's another thing to know how to live a life of thanksgiving. And he tells us in verse 8 and 9 of chapter 4. Finally, and this time he is getting to the end of his letter. Finally, brothers, and I might add sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellent, any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. God of peace will be with you. Now if you'll remember when I was teaching that, those of you that were in the class, I said before we unpack the first part of verse 8, we've got to unpack that last phrase to really understand what Paul was saying because he says, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, but he ends that, that verse by saying, think about these things. So as he's telling them these eight characteristics of a thanks-living life, what he's really saying is calculate. It's not enough just to give it mental passing, but he says really think through this on how you can put this into effect in your life. Dave, you live a different life than I do. You, you have a different job than I do. Uh, and, and so our lifestyles are similar because we're brothers in Christ and we're living for Christ but we don't take the same patterns every day so his life God is going to speak to him specifically in a way where he's going to talk to me about a different way because I'm in different circumstances than my brother is and, and that's what he's saying think about this contemplate figure out what it means to you and how you can apply it to your life who you are, who I've made you to be, and where I've placed you, and where you are living. And so he says, if you'll think about this as you're reading this, then you'll begin to grab a hold of what I'm talking about on how to live a life of thanks living. Now, while I was in that Bible study class, we spent about a half an hour and went through these eight words, and we're not going to do that this morning. I'm going to give you the quick summary of what we talked about in that Bible study class and then I'm going to wrap it up to give you another handle to help you implement this into your life. When he gets there in verse 8 and he gives these eight characteristics he says finally brothers whatever is true and when he says that he says live the truth not errors that's what he's saying live the truth the word. Jesus was the living word. He was the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. The written word is the truth of God. It doesn't change. It stays the same yesterday, today and forever because Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And he says, live the truth. Don't get caught up in the culture where they change the rules every decade or so to make it fit what they want. Just live the the truth and you'll start living a life of thanks living and then he goes on to say and whatever is honorable he says live with honor live in such a way as not to offend you know there are people when I see them coming at me I just really wish I could go the other way because I've got two or three people in my life that when they come, I know they're just going to try to be offensive. Literally, they just like to pick fights verbally. Now, praise God, they don't do it with me physically, but they want to pick fights with me verbally because I believe in the Word and they don't. And No, I am not to fight back I am supposed to do some other things we're going to talk about here in a moment but I am to live an honorable life and not try to offend now when you live the gospel you will be offensive to non believers that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about don't purposely try to get somebody else's goat just to frustrate them live the truth those two go together live the truth Live with honor. And then he says, and whatever is just, live justly. Do the right thing. I was caught up in an activity earlier this week, and I was given two choices. And one of them would have really worked out good for me. It would have been a sweet deal, let me tell you. And the other one, not so much. But one was wrong and one was right. Choose the right. That's what he's saying. Whatever is just, just do what is right. Matter of fact, Proverbs says even a child's action shows where they're coming from. Even a child knows right from wrong. And then it says, whatever is pure. Live a life of purity. In this day and age, there is so much we can do to compromise and live not bad lives, but not pure lives. Trying to live with a foot in the heavenly realm and a foot in the earthly realm. No, live pure. Just be pure. Don't let stuff come in that makes your life impure. And don't go after the big sins. It's the little ones that nip us. It's the little ones that get us down. That we have kind of been like the proverbial frog in a pot of cold water that they begin to heat up. And we don't even know that we have compromised. And let the little stuff attack our character. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Basically, what he is saying: live a life that is attractive. Live in a way that people notice you when you walk by. Not to go, wow, look at him, boy, he's something. But that when you walk by, they go, well, wow, there's something about that person. I don't quite know what they're up to yet, but. There's something, something is attractive. Something draws me to that person. I want to know what makes them tick because they're different than everybody else. They're seeing just living, honorable living, pure living, true living, and you become attractive to them. And then whatever is commendable, Whatever is commendable. Basically that means to be favorable. Is what it means. And so it says. Be fair minded. Live in such a way. That when you interact with folks. There's that. I can take this guy's word. To the bank. Because he's fair minded. He's not trying to stack the deck toward him. Or toward somebody else. He's just being fair. Again he's. Just. It all begins to melt together with each of these specific components that make it strong, with all these components melting together. And then he goes, and if there's any excellence, he says, basically, live a life of excellence, live a life of moral goodness. Live a life of moral goodness. And then the last thing he says, and if there's anything worthy of praise, he says, Live a life that's worth somebody saying. Now there's somebody to emulate. And I think that's what the people of the church at Philippi said about Paul. They said, Man, there's somebody I want to emulate. That's somebody I want to copy their behavior. And do you know why they wanted to copy his behavior? He was living this life of thanksgiving. And he had his eyes on Jesus. Because several of his letters he said, Follow me as I follow Christ. And he had that attractive lifestyle. He had that winsomeness. He had that purity, that justness. All of these character qualities that just drew people to him. Even though he was going through tough times all of the time. There was something about his life. And it comes out in this book. What we just read in chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. Praise, thanks, praise, joy, praise, thanks. Over and over again. But let's get down to verse 9. And what you have learned and received and seeing in me there again he says practice these things now here's the thing that's going to be tough on us and don't give up you're not going to walk out of this place today and every day for the rest of your life live a life of thanks living automatically been working on this for a long time and there are still days I struggle (laughs) I just go why am I thinking these negative thoughts why can't I be positive I need to praise God even in the midst of this problem and everything but he says practice these things and I'm going to go back to an old dead guy again I like old dead guys John Wooden used to have the record for the most Conference wins in in a league at UCLA. Bill Self beat him at Kansas, by the way. Uh, And every, every year, first practice, he would get with his basketball players and he would have them sit down on a row and he would say, this is a sock. And this is a shoe. Now, this is how you put a sock on. And this is how you put a shoe on. Come on, coach. I'm a college freshman. I know everything. Just ask me. No. He practiced the very basics because he knew... If your feet hurt, you don't play well. Practice these things. Stay at the basics until they become so automatic. Like, did you know you've been breathing all the time you've been in here? You've not even been conscious of it. You've done that. You know that system well. If we can start practicing living lives of thanks living as we practice these things. And that's why we need each other, to encourage one another to love and to good deeds. That's why you need to come and be involved in small groups and things like that. It's where somebody can just saddle up next to you and say, caught you, boy, that was good. And encourage them to keep doing it. I've got a friend of mine at another church where I was interim pastor and I preached a, a certain message there. And he took the challenge because I talked about how I was going to encourage them to love and to good deeds more than they could encourage me to love and good deeds. And he says, the challenge is on. And every time I see Pat, he walks up to me and says, I'm going to love you more than you love me. I said, no, you're not. He said, yes, I am. And he got to work on it. And he said I'm going to encourage you more than you encourage me. And I said man I need that. And he said good because I'm going to do it. And We were practicing that and we talked about it all the time. But let me close by telling you one of the most exciting things about this passage of scripture. It's how it ends. Look at how it ends. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of Peace will be with you. There is a reward for a life of thanks living. You will sense the very presence of God with you. And His peace will surround you. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. I promised I would. Go all the way back to Daniel. Go all the way back to Daniel to chapter 3. And you know both of these stories if you've been in church any time at all. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the first story we're going to pick up in chapter 3. And if you'll recall, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had uh, made a decree that says, every time you hear this music, you're to fall down and to worship this image. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you in the fire and cook you. Your choice. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't do that. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 3 verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But listen to verse 18. But if not... If God doesn't do that, if He doesn't rescue us, but if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You don't sass the king who's threatened to kill you if you don't play by his rule book with the peace. That I sensed those three young men had. They were living lives of thanks living. Our God is the God. And we praise and worship him. And if you want to toast us. Go ahead. God will take care of us. I don't think they were being snooty and proud. They were just saying. Go ahead. Because our God will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, it's okay. We're at peace. Go to chapter 6. A little later. Kings have changed. Now we got Darius up there. And uh, Daniel is now uh, in the hot seat. And they figured out a thing. And Darius said, uh, let's do it this way. And if you'll go to... Uh, Oh, let's see, verse 7, the latter part of verse 7, and it says, And whoever makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. So they said, instead of the golden image, we want them to actually worship our king, Darius. So look at verse 10. And when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, so this now became law, if you didn't worship, And he went to his house Where he had windows in his upper chamber Open toward Jerusalem And he got down on his knees Three times a day And prayed and gave thanks Before his God As he had done previously He was living a life Of thanks Living It was who he was. And I believe the peace of God just got all over him. And he opened the windows and he said, You know what I'm doing? And I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. And so they took him and they threw him into the lion's den. And you know in both stories, the boys didn't burn up, and Daniel petted the kitties. In the lion's den. And ate the ones. Who threw him in. And there's no promise. That's how your story is going to turn out. Because history is replete. With many illustrations. Where that. Good ending didn't happen. But every time one of those. Good endings didn't happen. Isn't it amazing how many have said, like Stephen, who said, God, <laughs> they're stoning me, but I'm looking into heaven, and I'm seeing where I'm going. Don't hold it against me. I'm coming home. Because there was a peace that was all over him. At the Beginning of November, I challenged you. Start saying thank you to people. That was all preparation for this message. To say, let's be a people of praise and thanksgiving. Let's figure out what it means to us. Let's figure out how we can apply it. Then let's start practicing it and encouraging one another to do that. And before long, we will find ourselves with opportunities for folks who will say... I've got a question for you. You're not negative like the rest of the world. You're living a life that's different. Your world, even in tough times, I see a praise as a person I talked to in this room this morning that's going through a tough, tough time and said, I just trust God because I know He's in charge. And the peace that comes over you when you do that and it'll give us opportunity to share that good news that those angels said is coming for all people and that's the season we're moving into but in order for that to happen you must know God and work walk with God and he produces it in you. You don't walk with him in order to get it. You walk with it because you know him and love him and want to walk with him. And he says, here's the overflow that's going to happen because of that. Bow your heads and close your eyes. This morning I want to ask you a question Do you really know him? Not, do you know about him? Not, are you a member of the church? Not, are, have you been baptized? I'm talking about, do you know Jesus? If you were about to be thrown into a fire or the lion's den with no guarantee of the outcome, would you say, go ahead, because I know I've got a relationship with my Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. This morning, if you don't know Him, I pray that you will say, today is the day I want. Him, And we'll have men here That can show you out of God's word How you can know Him And if you know Him What do you need to do to be obedient to Him Not in order to gain His favor But what do you need to do In order just to be obedient to Him Because you love Him You can't earn your salvation You'll never get any closer to Him Than you are now But the more you're obedient to Him, the more you will enjoy being close to Him as He is close to you. Father, would You speak to our hearts today? Would You transform us into people who live lives of thanksgiving because we know You and we desire to be obedient to You. Speak to us. Help us to understand what the Scriptures have said to us individually, person by person, and show us what we need to do in order to respond, to be obedient to what You're telling us to do for Your glory. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. Eyes bowed. uh, Heads bowed. Eyes still closed. And While Jason just plays on the uh, guitar, men are here. If there's somebody you want to pray with, you want to talk with, you come. Whatever the decision, to accept Christ, follow the Lord and believers' baptism, rededicate your life, respond to a call for full-time Christian service, join the church, whatever the decision is, you come.